Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned. Until now. Quantum Leap was an experimental time travel program, years away from being tested. Why did you leap? I don't remember anything. Your name is Dr. Ben Song. You're a time traveler leaping from life to life, trying to put right what once went wrong. Do you remember meeting with this man? I lost time. Did you ever stop to think about who was behind the wheel? Are you kidding? I keep drawing them. This is the person you see in your dreams? That's the person who was behind the wheel when I lost time. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 131, Family Style. Where's the performance? Finishing now. Dining room's ready. Almost 11.30, we're opening. Let's go. Awesome. Coming? What are you doing looking around happily as I say? I need the tomatoes. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Hit your head over. Come on. Yes, mommy. Right. Yes, mommy. Today's the day. <gasps> New dinner menu, courtesy of Manisha Prasad. <laughs> he said I could do it. Did I? No, no backing out now. Hey, I've got a whole plan. Dum biryani, masala prawns, china chaat. But do you really think people are ready for that kind of food? I mean, it's so unusual for them. Americans don't like things they can't pronounce. I do. I know you're scared about changing dad's menu, but I think this can really go well. And we uh, tracked down the name Janice gave us of the person who told Ben to leap. They're a barista at a coffee shop in Silver Lake. So how do they know Ben? When we talked to them, they had no recollection of him because they were leapt into. But they remembered the person's face the way I remembered Sam's. Me. Did you do this? Did you leap? No, no, I, at least n not yet. So this must be me, but at some point in the future. How happy are you that you are a chef? Oh, it's the best. So uh, when are we, like uh, mid-2000s? And that's my family in there? 2009, and you have leapt into Kamini Prasad, the oldest daughter of an Indian immigrant family here in Portland, Oregon. Your mother is Sonali, and your little sister is Manisha. Looks like your family owns this restaurant, the Masala Garden. It's been struggling to stay afloat for the last few years because Vikas, your father, passed away about a year ago. The restaurant burns down tonight. Sonali dies of a heart attack a few weeks later, I guess the stress of a collapsing family business. Manisha leaves the food industry, and her and Kamini never speak again. The whole family falls apart and one fire does all that damage. Well, Ziggy says it's your job to save the restaurant. Ben! Where's my money? Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Allison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we are back. We're back after such a long hiatus, an unexpected hiatus, with um, season one, episode 13, an episode called Family Style, which was directed by Deborah Pratt. So we have Quantum Leap back. We have Deborah Pratt back in Quantum Leap. And not only that, um, we have Deborah Pratt back on this show. We spoke to Deborah all about this episode and also for the first time since the show actually started. I think the last time we spoke to her, she wasn't even allowed to say anything. So <laughs> we got to talk to her about so much more stuff than we did the last time. And we will be bringing that to you after the break. So stay tuned for that. Always great to have Deborah, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, she's great. 
it's just still surreal to me. Longtime friend to the podcast. And now I think a, a, a new friend to Mr. Matt Dale. Matt, I see you posting some some pictures, <laughs> jet setting in LA. Oh, you guys hanging out, <laughs> doing lunch. Yeah, What's going on that, there? Tell us about this. That was that was weird. So uh, yeah, I, I go to Los Angeles um, every February for a Doctor Who convention, and um, <laughs> I just I mentioned this to Deborah a little while back. We we're like, yeah, we should get together and have lunch. I didn't, I thought that was like one of these things, like people say, yeah, let's get together and have lunch. And we just kept talking about that. And all of a sudden I found myself in a bar having a sandwich with Deborah Pratt, which is just the most <laughs> surreal moment of my life. That's so awesome, man. You look so happy in the pictures. I was so happy. Uh, it was, and, and not just because I was fanboying, um, although there was definitely a big element of that, but she was just, she was so lovely. Like I was nervous as hell when I woke up that morning and, um, Within about two minutes of sitting down with her, it was like, ah, oh, we're just old friends chatting about uh, the state of TV at the moment and, uh, you know, <laughs> whether veggie burgers are any good to eat. And, you know, we're just <laughs> chatting about all kinds of random stuff. So it's just, yeah, she's just a, a really sweet lady. I did not try and get any spoilers out of her for next year or anything. It wasn't like a an interview session or anything. It was just, yeah, it was just nice. She's She's adorable. A lot of time for her. This is really awesome. I'm really happy for you, man. I mean, that's yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, thank you're you. like the coolest guy I know. And I know me. <laughs> so that's saying something. I was going to say, Chris, you're the coolest guy I know. So it's uh, goes both ways, dude. I was joking about me, but not about you. So yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm really happy that you guys got to do that. And I'm really happy that, you know, we're here in an environment where Quantum Leap is back in production and you're getting to talk to the showrunner just because, not about the show even, just because you guys are chums. Just because why not? But it, Deborah has a reputation that's very similar to Scott's around fandom. Everyone who's met Deborah always says, oh, yeah, she's great with a fan. She's so lovely. Yeah, okay, right. Is, is that really true? And yes, it is. 100%. Everything everyone says about us. Oh, yeah. Everyone's always got, like, such nice things to say about her. Anytime mm. we're talking to people behind the scenes, like, just unprompted, like, oh, yeah, Deborah Pratt's around a lot, and she's great. Yeah. <laughs> everyone always has nice things to say. Yeah, and I've I've met her personally. I think I think twice, but it was in a con setting. You know, it wasn't like anything like you were doing, Matt. And uh, she was always terrific there. Yeah, and just always so gracious and always so. And yeah, I I think we, we all we already know this. Deborah's awesome. Hey, everyone! Yeah. Newsflash: Water is wet. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so we can't wait to bring you uh, the chat that we had with her. Um, it's like coming home. And uh, it's uh, apropos because the name of this episode was Family Style. And in many ways, I feel like um, the show is coming home a little bit. Can we do some first impressions? Uh, Allison, do you want to begin this week? Uh, no, I'll let you guys start it off more positive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, dear. So, Matt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I really like this one. Um, nice, uh, small episode, nice small story um, in between some of the bigger arc stuff. I've been enjoying the arc stuff. I, I know it hasn't always been popular, so I was um, I, I was really hoping that that, <laughs> that we'd all love an episode that kind of bypasses that. But um, I just, I really, I engaged with the characters very quickly. And um, yeah, I was very moved by a lot of it. 
Uh, I'm going to echo those sentiments. I was very moved by much of it. Uh, I found myself in tears by the end. I really mm. thought this was a terrific episode. I thought it had a lot of the um, DNA of the old Quantum Leap, mainly because it was a smaller story focusing mainly on the Leap. And even the stuff that we got back at the project wasn't so much about the project. It was another story. I mean, trying to expand, I guess, on the background or whatever. We'll get into that. But mm. it was atypical for this series so far and I think a welcome change uh, it just felt different I don't know if it's because Deborah was behind the camera and brought a different sensibility to it but to me it felt very much in the wheelhouse of everything that I love about Quantum Leap yeah um, I mean I loved that we got a Deborah Pratt directed episode this is the first time she's ever directed Quantum Leap she's been <laughs> part of Quantum Leap for so long it's the first time that she directed it so that was really cool I don't think anyone did anything wrong. Um, I just, I watched this episode and I just, I felt nothing. That my initial impressions mm. is kind of nothing. <laughs> so I'm probably not going to be that interesting in this podcast, unfortunately. But I just, I just didn't feel anything. You know, I, I can get that because I kind of felt that way watching the the pilot. And um, I just because I get you didn't know the characters, but I, I maybe felt because irritation watching the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just felt I just felt bland, and um, I feel like the show is at a place now where it was high time to try to do you know more episodes like this. I mean, they should have been doing more episodes like this from the beginning. You know, if I had my yes. way, yeah. Like I'm, I'm glad there's less project stuff. I don't think yeah. we don't need flash drive chases. I was glad there was no Janice around here. She's probably drugging her mom off screen somewhere. You know, like it was, it was nice to not have a lot of that. Although I will say, I was. I was wrong in my prediction that Ian wouldn't be doing that much, but I was right in my prediction that immediately after they question them in Guantanamo Bay, uh, the project just resets to the same stuff they do every week. So the project really wasn't doing anything. Yeah, I've got more time for Janice than you generally, but I also... I, I... <laughs> I don't I don't mind her being sidelined, but it seems a really odd time for her to be sidelined. Like, she, they suddenly did that big kind of almost twist of getting her involved in the project two episodes back and having her help out. And this is the second episode in a row where is she back in the prison cell drinking whiskey with Jen? I don't think so. Weren't they questioning Ian in their, their prison cell? Like, So where is she? What's, what have they done she's with in the, her? One, one of the many jail cells they have at Project Quantum Leap. <laughs> Yeah, I, I find that the, the sudden sidelining of Janice very unusual. As much as I like the fact that they've stepped away from the Ark for a bit, it seems an odd time to step away from the Ark just when they've, they have they were building up in Leap, Die, Repeat. And then they've just taken a couple of weeks out from it. I don't know what they're doing with the Ark. Because like they question Ian about this and uh, Addison's there and they have this big reveal that also involves Ben, and then Addison goes in there from one scene very serious to the next, and then she's like, hey, hey, you're a chef, woohoo! <laughs> and then it's like, is she taking Janice's advice and just not telling Ben anything? It seems like she's been doing this the whole time anyway, because it just seems weird, the information they don't tell Ben, the fact that the Janice thing didn't come up till he saw her. I, I don't really know what Addison thought of what Janice said. I don't know how that changed anything. It just seemed like extending the episodes more than anything. It, it just it feels really meaningless, to be honest. 
Yeah, she seems to be... Addison and Ben seem to be being a lot more open with each other about Ben's memories of late. And yet, you would have thought that Addison would have said, hey, Ben, do you remember this trans woman that you met? This poet? Is that ringing any bells? Just to see if that jogged anything, but that seems to still be a secret. Yeah, it seemed they didn't establish either way whether she was going to keep it secret or not. Like, it just felt like his stuff is just separate from what's going on, even though he is part of this story. And that's, again, why the the project stuff always feels so separate. It's, it's strange that he seems separated from this story that's integral to his character. You're right about that. And here's the funny thing is I didn't even consider any of that. I guess maybe because we had a longer break than anticipated, but I forgot all about that stuff. Mm. And I didn't miss the fact that they didn't follow up on it. Well, they did a little bit, but it was weird. They're like, hey, did you do this? And then Ian's like, no, I didn't. And then they have to explain time travel to each other uh, very uh, <laughs> again, because uh, they're a time travel project that doesn't get time travel. And then, Magic's uh, getting more headaches. Yeah. And then they're like, um, no, in this picture, actually, I look older. And I'm like, do they look older in this picture? Like, this is jumping to a lot of conclusions about this. I'm I'm glad they established that because I I couldn't I had a feeling that they looked older in the picture, and I, I saw some comments online. Some some people thought that Ian looked older. Some people thought the picture was Janice. Um, like everyone seems to have their own take on the picture. So it, I think it did need establishing. Ian has seen the picture. Ian thinks they look older. Right, okay, so we can establish now that this leap that Ian's going to take is not within the next six episodes of the show. This is going to be future, future Ian. Well, how much further in the future is this supposed to be? Because I hope this is not a thing that we have to watch for years. I don't want this to be extended that long. No, but we, we, but we did establish that Ben is trying to leap to the future. So I'm imagining this mystery box plotline that's going to get wrapped up this season is going to maybe involve a leap to five years in the future when Ian's that's, looking a bit older or something like that. That's what I'm thinking yeah, too. Yeah, maybe. But, but it will be tied up. And I, I got to be honest, um, I am completely ambivalent about the project stuff. It doesn't annoy me and it doesn't jazz me. I do like some of the reveals. I, the, that reveal of Ian I thought was maybe the best twist of the entire mm. series so far. But at the same time, I realize that they're going to dole it out how they dole it out and it's not going to be consistent. And it's just a byproduct of the corner that they painted themselves in with, with having to drag this out for a full season. But if you're going to do it, then why are you doing it? If you don't have any, I don't any know. Uh, meaningful payoffs to anything, what's the point of continuing it? I think it's just so that you get hooked to see it for you know the next week or whatever. Yeah, but mm. if the, what was the payoff to the Ian thing this week? Or, or like, I mean, I, I thought we, that you know. I, I'll tell you what I liked the payoff to the Ian thing this week because it actually gave them something else to do besides think about the big mystery. They gave us a little bit of focus on Ian's character, and so we got some character work from Mason, which you know something that we've been complaining about, especially with the back at the project stuff. It all seems so disjointed. And haphazard and everybody's chasing everybody's tail they took a break from that and they said okay let's let's get a little bit more into ian and their background and i don't know if that was the strongest part of the episode but i felt like it was a welcome change and it fit more with the feel of this episode we've talked a couple of times about the fact that like star trek the next generation found its feet by having episodes that focused on individual characters rather than try and get the whole ensemble in and 
for sure, the, this, the, the back of the project stuff was definitely heavily Ian-focused, and it was all about Ian's journey. So I feel like they're they're learning from that, and they're they're trying to give focus, and I'm hoping next week we get a Jen-focused episode. Yeah, let's put it this way. If they're just going to give us nothing but meaningless dribs and drabs back at the project to prolong whatever mystery they're going towards, I'd rather them do it this way. Because at least Mm -hmm. then we have actors actually doing something instead of asking questions and being on an endless hunt that ultimately is leading nowhere until the last episode or maybe the last two episodes. I feel like this told us a little more about Ian's character and I appreciated Mm. that. I do not think it was very interesting, but other people I think will feel differently. I don't think the acting was bad. I think it was informative. Um, I'm glad that Mason Alexander Park got to hang out with their partner while they filmed because mm. <laughs> they're they're dating in real life. But um, I don't know. This show does a lot of talking and a lot, not a lot of actually like doing anything. I, I once heard someone describe the stuff in the present day as the characters talking about the plot. And that's kind of what it is. Like people have a lot of monologues and I, this, uh, the one in this episode felt less meaningful to me because all that happens of the project is either exposition dumps or monologues. Like no, no one ever seems to actually be doing anything. Like Ian was like sitting outside a, a coffee shop for most of this episode when they weren't at the project getting grilled about, you know, what they may have done leaping. It just didn't really feel very meaningful to me because I feel like we've heard a lot of monologues from people about their feelings to the point of, of meaninglessness to me. Sitting outside pretty little lattes, I might add. Yeah, they made another in-joke. A lot of the Ian stuff seems to be in-jokes about things. They made other like Pretty Little Liars reference here. And now the look of devastation on your face I haven't seen since they cancelled Pretty Little Liars. Yeah, but did you, did you spot that the coffee shop brand is the same one from um, when Magic took them out to have the chat? Okay, well, they actually do name drop Pretty Little Liars as well. Pretty Little Liars. No, I know they, they directly name drop Pretty Little Liars. Pretty Little Liars. But yeah, Pretty Little Lattes. Uh, it's nice to see them back. And I'm sure Deborah had something to do with that, <laughs> considering that's Troy and show. But I think where this episode really shines for me is it touches on a heavy theme of family, which to me is one of the cornerstones of the original Quantum Leap. A heavy investment in Sam's family, a heavy investment in Al. We don't get to see his family, but the family ties that he has, especially vis-a-vis his memories of Trudy through Jimmy. And uh, he's always talking about his dad, stuff like that. And I thought that this was a wonderful family-focused episode that was in that vein. And that's why I think I felt so much for it. And just hands down, I think this is one of the best Ben episodes of the series so far. I think we got to know more about him here. I think that Deborah got one of um, the best performances that Ray has given as Ben so far because I felt the emotion. I felt the pathos and um, I felt like – He was making a genuine connection with these people, even though they're supposed strangers because of um, shared experiences that let him think about and figure out some stuff for himself. So to me, that's like sort of a best case scenario because it's not just about the leap per se, but it's also about how the leap affects Ben. And those were always my favorite episodes of the original is when we could have a direct link to Sam's past or a direct link to Al's past. and use the leap to explore the characters more so i i I, what what more could i want honestly 
And in in terms of Ben, there was a line that was left hanging. I want to say in the second episode, this might have been Atlantis, um, where it was said, "Oh yeah, it's a shame we don't have Ben here because Ben was basically the glue that held us all together." And we don't know that we were just told that. And this was an episode where we really saw that more than I think most of the previous episodes. There there was a little bit of rallying in Salvation or Bust, but th- this felt like, oh, actually, that one-liner that was lip service so many weeks ago, finally, I get it, it's paid off. And they even sort of reiterated, like, hey, remember that? Your father knew how to deal with them, just as he knew how to deal with Gaffy, but he's not here now. He was the glue. So they were really, I think, directly referencing that and then showing you finally why Ben was the glue. I mean, just his his ability mm-hmm. to to keep this going and to have another idea and have another idea mm. and um, really bring this family together. It was great because we're finally getting to see Ben lean into his strengths instead of um, just being in a situation and having to react. The pacing, the focus, everything in this episode felt like a throwback. It felt like an old episode of Quantum Leap. There was just there was there was so much time for the characters to just breathe. That scene that they had in front of the pizza place, I thought was was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay, like uh, one of one of the things I'm bringing up, and I don't want to kill all the good vibes, so that's why I'm not talking as much. Uh, I remember them doing this Ben stuff in the earthquake episode. It felt like a, a rehash of that in a, in a lot of it where it, it could have been meaningful. I feel like them connecting it to an, an immigrant parent it was something more personal to him. And I like that they did that. I just feel like a lot of the parallels were things that they did before. So it didn't really feel very meaningful to me. Not even the last scene when he finds some measure of personal closure for some of the feelings he's been carrying around. The things I said to Sonali... Those were things I wanted to say to my mom. I hadn't even realized it myself. <laughs> but now, I'm not carrying that anger around in the same way anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's. I, I think that's something that was... I get what they were doing there. I just didn't feel like it hit for me because I felt like this... It, it just didn't feel different enough for me to, to care as much. And I like Ben's character. Ben's a character I haven't complained about as much as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. It just like, and I felt like I don't know. It was hard for me to care. This episode was just it. It was very slow, and it was not. I don't know. I just didn't feel it, it very meaningful, and I I feel like they were kind of like all the episodes of the show. They they tell you what's going to happen in the first you know few minutes of Addison being there like you're here for this and this is what's going to happen but then they don't really utilize the rest of the time in a way that's like interesting enough I know I, I'm going to firmly disagree with you on that score in this episode. I thought the episode was engaging all the way through. I thought there were some terrific twists too. I mean, I really expected it to be a lot by the numbers. Oh, they were going to get the the Grubhub or whatever it was, the Groupon. It was Groupon. Going. Was was the Groupon thing an ad read? Was it meant to be an ad read? Because it felt like an ad read to me. <laughs> do people still do Groupon? Is Groupon? I thought they went Groupon bust. Groupon still exists. Groupons, yeah. Oh, okay. Then, uh, he's like. Have you heard of this thing called Groupon? And you can save with all of this. And I'm like, is Groupon a sponsor for this episode? <laughs> I hadn't. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that. I just thought they were trying to place it, you know, in in 
because I thought Groupon was gone. <laughs> no, I, that, I I couldn't tell. We haven't seen as many iPhones recently. Um, the iPhones seem to have dropped out of the series, so they yeah, need to get are the away iPhones from less of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That was also when, like, um, when Ian's partner or ex-partner was like, uh, hey, you can answer a text every once in a while. I'm like, were they not answering texts that one time? They were just dinking around on their Apple phone <laughs> that one episode? <laughs> like, it didn't seem like they were that busy then. Well, I, I think it meant, like, stay in touch. You answer my texts. Let's come to a different place. Yeah, but they're acting like, you know, they could, like, they were disconnected because they were so busy chasing their dreams or they had all these things they, they are keeping to themselves. And it's like, I don't know. I haven't really seen that <laughs> in Ian's character. Since you mentioned the, the Groupon thing, I just want to mention on a, f- a fluffier and less important note, I don't know if you guys picked up on this. So Ben goes onto some kind of proto-Google search and searches for, how do I set up a, a, a Groupon account? And then almost immediately his sister comes in, they right. have a discussion, <laughs> and then Ben says, oh, oh, look, we're, we're getting customers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I noticed that too. Yeah. It's like, wow, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> There's literally no time for that to happen. Especially on, yeah. I'm like the old ass. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You could hear the modem dialing up. <laughs> he, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't have time to type anything in. It was, lit- it was three or four seconds he managed to set up the account and set up the promotion and everything. But um, That's how great Groupon works. <laughs> right. Well, the yes. Groupon coupons. Everyone's <laughs> Quantum Leap Podcast, now sponsored by Groupon. <laughs> yeah, if you go to Groupon right now, you can find <laughs> Find out all yeah. about all the deals. All you have to do is say the word Groupon and you suddenly have an account. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, 400 new uh, Patreon subscribers already. Yeah, we got a we got a Groupon Patreon deal here. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's not that doesn't detract from the important message of the episode. You put in the code Quantum Leap Podcast into Groupon. <laughs> I saw that as a goof for the episode. It didn't take yeah. me out of it too much, no. but I did have a chuckle. <laughs> I mean, for all that, like as as I was um working towards before the fact that uh, they had the reconciliation at the pizza place and then they went back, I thought it was all going to be, you know, TV as normal. We're going to have the big night and, and the guy's going to come and the restaurant's going to be saved. And when they came back and saw the place on fire, I was like literally shocked. I was like, oh my God, what are they going to And I felt like Ben in that moment. It was in the, the promo. I didn't see the <laughs> promo. The episode. I didn't it see it. It was in the promo and the, and the promo shots. I didn't either. I did not see the promo. Oh, Okay. It would seem weird to me that they would set up that the place burns down and then not follow through with it in some way. And I thought, I don't know. They seemed kind of dumb about it. Like, because they were like, this place is going to burn down and then we're going to go do this and then it burned down. And then, like, Addison's like, oh, it was only at 2%. And it's like, well, but (laughs) you knew it was a possibility still. It just seemed weird. Like, it seemed like, I don't know. I feel like there were other ways to handle this plot. Think of it this way. Ziggy says there's a 98% chance that this place is not going to burn down anymore. I mean, so that's, to me, that's okay. That's a win. That's that's perfectly keeping within Quantum Leap. I mean, 98%, okay, that's settled. What's next? I, I don't know that you can take them to task for that. 2% seems like a pr- pretty good margin to me. Technically, I agree. From the point of view of the drama, I think it, it might have been interesting if they hadn't set that up at all and it had come out of nowhere i i would have liked to have been completely shocked by it they they could have structured it differently that's what bothered me 
There, like Ben's sitting there, like, "Oh shucks, I'm stuck here forever," and it's like, "All right." But there's, like- there's definitely, like Chris says, I mean, there's, there's precedence. There's plenty of precedence for. Okay, look, this is probably fine, so let's move on. And ninety eight percent is probably fine. They could have set it up. The place was just going to shut down, maybe, and then the fire escalated because of something Ben did, and it was unexpected. Or they could have had it be like. There's two things that's going on right now. Ben's got to find the sister or she's going to take off and never speak to her mom again. Or there could be a fire. Uh, the percentages may be 50-50. He's got to make a choice. And he's like, I choose saving this family. And then then there's the fire. It's something to kind of like up the tension or something. Because just saying like a fire is going to happen. And then he goes and then a fire happens. I feel like, I don't know, structurally, it just felt like th- there were better ways to do this. Mm. It just felt very ho-hum to me. And to me, it felt more like Quantum Leap. They said a fire was going to happen. Ben changed things so that the fire was almost an impossibility. And then they came back and they took the rug out from under him. And they took the rug out from under me because I was invested in the story and the characters at that point. So um, I found it to be a genuinely cool twist, and it led to one of the best endings that I think I've seen on the show. I mean, I loved, I loved the way this ended. I loved the way the family came together, and I loved the catharsis that Ben was able to get experiencing this through the leap. I just, I, I thought it was terrific. I love you, mom. The first time I watched it, I, I was just like, "How am I crying at this?" And then yeah. the second time I watched it again this morning, and I'm like, "Why am I crying again at this? This is so good." Because at the end of the day, predictable or otherwise, whatever you say about, and say I, I have my issues as well, but whatever you say about the structure of it and what led up to the fact that it was burning down, this is an episode that is so much about the people that as long as you're invested in them and as long as you've got to that point emotionally with them, just watching their reaction is drama enough. And that, that, was, that was a huge moment for me as well. I, I was crying through it as well. Um, regardless of whether I was expecting it or not, they weren't. And that was enough for me. Right. And I, I'm glad I didn't see the promo shots because I wasn't expecting it at all. So it was it was a genuinely cool moment to me. And I also have to say, I think a lot of the reason why I felt the way I did about this episode was that the family dynamic in this just seemed so natural. Mm-hmm. Everything seemed authentic down to the last detail. And um, that comes down to Nandini Minocha, who played uh, Sonali, and Anisha Jagannathan as Manisha. I thought that they played off each other terrifically. Mm-hmm. And having been there, being able to play, off of that great dynamic elevated his performance as well. Uh, Ray's performance, I think, was able to to be better in this and more empathetic because I think there was such a strong connection and such a such a naturalness, such an authenticity in the relationship that we were seeing on screen between the mother and the daughter. My favorite line in the entire thing, it was at the very end, Sonali looks at Manish and says, But I changed my mind. I can do that, right? I don't know. I've never seen it before. <laughs> That made me laugh out loud. And that it just seemed like so natural. It seemed like it was just, it didn't feel like TV. It felt like I was watching somebody's family. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, maybe I'm on the complete opposite side. I'm gushing a little bit, I feel, but wow, I'm, this is the kind of episode that I've been hoping for that they would do more of. And um, you wouldn't think about it because I see Ben leap into a kitchen. I'm like, oh, all right. Uh, Not a lot happened in the leap in, but I, also gives me good feelings because one of the best jobs I ever had was as a short order cook. And um, after school, when I couldn't find a job in journalism, I seriously thought about going to culinary school because I really do like to cook. So 
it was great to see him in the restaurant doing all that stuff. The kitchen's the setting that I enjoy. And uh, when he was out in the alley with Addison, he's like, I got knife skills. And I have knife skills. And I'm like, yeah, it feels good to have knife skills, doesn't it? You know, it's like, that's a point of pride. So, yeah. It's so maybe a lot of this stuff spoke to me on a personal level as well. So it just added to my enjoyment. I want to join you in the gushing about the guest stars because I think they, they were uniformly fantastic. Um, it was such a good guest cast, but particularly, um, yeah, uh, Nandini, uh, while I was watching the episode, I assumed, because I, I miss a lot of popular current TV, I don't know what's going on out there, I assumed she was like a regular leading lady who they'd, they'd gone in as a, a big guest star. I was amazed to check out her IMDb afterwards and then to speak to her in the interview to basically learn that, no, this is, she's, she's not a particularly well-known player in Hollywood and this is her first big deal and that shocked me because I, I, I think her presence was just fantastic yeah and uh, just just because uh, Matt I don't think we've uh, mentioned to the uh, listening audience but um, not only did we speak to Deborah about this episode but we did four well two interviews with four of the guest stars um, we did a couple of family style interviews ha ha uh, <laughs> where we grouped them together we spoke to Nandini and to Mira Simhan who played the cousin Patty the snooty cousin and uh, they were terrific together and then um, right after that call we got on a call with Anisha Jagannathan and Laura Nimi. And Anisha played Manisha, like I said, and uh, Laura played Kathy, the villain. And they were terrific too. So, I mean, the way they played off of each other. So, those were uh, kind of an experiment. We didn't know how it would go, and it went actually really great. I think it went great. Yeah. Laura, especially, was a hoot. And you could see the good time that she was having playing Kathy. This was also something about this episode that harkened back to the original Quantum Leap. <laughs> Such a goofy villain. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised she wasn't Italian. That's, that's, all, <laughs> that's yeah. all we needed. It was, it was hilarious. I mean, what kind a landlord has like a gun-toting thug to threaten yeah. somebody. It, it was just like, wow, that's straight out of Quantum Leap, boy. Uh, they do like their. <laughs> there was shades of all Americans there for sure. The uh, the evil landlord who was literally mustache twirling, but yeah. <laughs> my favorite Laura, who played Kathy. Um, you could tell um, she was having fun, and she was mm. great in the interview. I mean, so boisterous and funny, just a, a mm. real, a real cool person. So, yeah, you can see those things um, after you listen to this. Go to our YouTube channel; we'll have both of those interviews featured. So, yeah, a lot of fun. I think you guys will like it. And uh, they talk a lot about being on set and um, just how cool it was and uh, what a wonderful experience they had. And it reminds me a little bit of when we spoke to Shakina about "Let Them Play." And how they had a lot of people from the queer community, the trans community on set, and they were able to um, bring their own experiences to the show and let that inform their performances. And uh, the same dynamic was happening on this set because the person who wrote this episode was South Asian. And um, there were many South Asian actors on the set and they were all bringing their own backgrounds to help inform their choices. And I think that's another reason why this episode felt so authentic to me. It just felt effortless. Mm -hmm. So guys, we got, I think like a new question about, how leaping works now 
Like, so we know that Ben leaps into the person and they don't go anywhere. There's no waiting room. The waiting room's gone. And it just struck me as odd that Ben, when he leapt in, was wearing a nose ring. I don't think that's anything we've ever seen on Quantum Leap before. And it got me thinking, so like, so like, how does that work? Like, I don't think we've ever explored um, the fact that whenever Sam had earrings, they were always clip-ons. But if he had leapt into a woman with pierced ears, like what, what would have happened? Would they have just fallen to the floor? Like the earrings or yeah. Like, or would, would he have leapt in like a transporter accident? Like he, he beams in around them and all of a sudden he's got pierced ears. Like, because when he leaps in and someone's wearing glasses, isn't he usually wearing the glasses? Where do we, where do we fall on all this? Isn't this all just part of the, the whole quantum entanglement thing that the, the, like he has the physical, Attributes. According to this show, it's it's like mind leaping. So, yeah, if they have a pierced nose. Then he would. And we're just for for the convenience of the audience, we are seeing uh, Raymond Lee week after week. But it's still a a body with a pierced ear, just like it was a a, a boxer's body that was had buff muscles and everything else that he's leapt into. So. I noticed it as well, and I thought it was interesting, but um, it didn't take me long to figure out the consistency. Got it. it yeah, it just it's, it just seemed a point of interest for like on yeah. on, on a fandom level uh, because it's it's something I've wondered about when Sam was leaping, and the other thing that confused me was with this sketchbook. So, like the bartender Dottie is drawing Ian, but Ian is wearing their glasses. Yeah. So if they have memories of Ian, did they leap with glasses? Like what or is that just because show? I really I I'm kind of baffled about that one. What version of Ian are are they remembering? I think if I were to have a mental picture of myself, it would be somebody in glasses and if I had some kind of quantum entanglement with someone enabling them to share that inner image, they would imagine me with glasses as well. So I don't think it's about glasses leaping more than any other jewelry or accessories leaping it's just they have a vision of ian and and in that vision ian wears glasses because ian wears glasses i see so they're it's more of they're seeing uh, into ian's idea of themselves yeah okay that makes sense to me i don't know though i mean it's uh, yeah. yeah i mean no i mean it's it's part of the fun for me is explaining away or trying to rectify inconsistencies so i like that headcanon sir thank you I mean, yeah, it, it does beg the question, like back in the original series, when it was a body leap, what if a short-sighted person had leapt? Would they be constantly, uh, you know, what if Sam was short-sighted? Would he be constantly running around trying to find a pair of glasses as soon as he leapt in somewhere, bumping into everything? But fortunately, that never happened, because that would have <laughs> that would have made for a boring 20 minutes every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sam walking into walls. <laughs> Sam dashes to the opticians. <laughs> Uh, I like it. I like it. So, um, and just one one last thing uh, that I saw lore wise, which I thought was interesting because it's not something that we've we've dealt with on Quantum Leap, or at least very tangentially we've dealt with it. But the fact that um, Ian had pointed out that now that they had leapt some time in the future, 
to change whatever was going to happen? Are they still living in the same timeline that leads to Ian leaping? Now, if I leapt back to here, then I have to figure out what got me to that point. So there may be a choice in the near future that sets this whole thing in motion, unless the me that was triggered to leap was triggered by events that we never Ian, experienced. Ian. It was just an interesting wrinkle because I thought, okay, if that's the conceit you're going to go with, that they're now living in an altered reality, how do we ever get to that future point that we're trying to get to? Like, is it just destined to happen no matter what? Or, or what's the mechanics of that? Yeah, I, I think I, I brought up the same point in the in the last episode because we established that Ian and presumably other project personnel besides Addison were immediately aware of changes to the timeline. And obviously that last episode firmly established that it, it was a, a future version of Ian leaping back into the past. So, they're, yeah, they're already living in a changed timeline. And yeah, what what happens when that timeline gets erased? Who's going to be aware of everything that's happened this season? Is that timeline going to get erased? I, yeah, I, I I don't know how they're going to be able to explain that away. I'm I'm giving them leeway for now, but I suspect it's going to be one of those things where it'll be fine in terms of the drama, but just don't don't pick too much at the mechanics. I'm managing my expectations for the end of the season. I don't think it's going to quite make sense because I don't I don't think it can do when. Everything they're doing right now is because of an event they're now trying to prevent. Right. And just you think that the very fact of Ian leaping back and Ben leaping prematurely would have already changed that. Yes. To a point where that would no longer exist. So what are we all chasing? What are we all working towards here? Yeah. So, yeah, that was just an issue that I had. We'll see. Logistically. Yeah, we'll see. Exactly. We'll see. It's open, but yeah. I'm prepared to... Yeah, I'm prepared to accept as long as it's as long as it's an interesting dramatical ending. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's I'm um, I'm guessing if they can somehow make it hold together. I'm not going to look too closely because I don't know how they're going to rectify that logic. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. Or maybe it won't be, but we'll see. In any event, we'll see. <laughs> so, it'll definitely be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be it'll be, give us something to discuss. We know that. Yeah, sure. that's for sure. That's for sure. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's a big if. Um, but we have what six episodes left, or five after this? Yes, five more episodes. So hopefully, some of this stuff will be being doled out quickly. It's getting to the point where we either need to wrap it up or forget about it. In my opinion. So that being said, I guess I'll, I'll go into some final thoughts. I think that this episode is a good example, kind of like the second episode, the boxing episode of the potential for what this show could be in terms of just being sort of a straight homage and in the wheelhouse of the original Quantum Leap. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I really hope that again, and I don't know if it's a false hope, I say this every week, that they lean more into these kinds of aspects, that um, we see more work like this so that as we wrap up this season and embark on a second season, we just feel more for the people on screen and actually care about them. This episode really grabbed me. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it's it's a positive episode. And I think that has a lot to do with Deborah being behind the camera, knowing Quantum Leap and um, basically knowing the DNA of the show so well. I think that she did a good job of evoking that old feeling. So um, how about you, Matt? Yeah, I, I love this episode, obviously. Yeah, we we can give credit to Deborah. I think uh, Adrita Mukherjee, the the writer, uh, did a did a fabulous job. Um, I did care about the characters 
they're immediately engaging uh chris to the point you made earlier on it didn't feel like i was watching tv a lot of the time they felt like a very there were some very genuine moments there of of love and bickering and it, <laughs> yeah I, I i found it very enjoyable very rewatchable and just very very small and sweet and uh do you want to add any final thoughts allison I don't know. I'm not having fun, but I'm glad other people are. I'm sorry you're not having fun. Yeah, that sucks. Well, I think that puts our discussion of family style in the books, but uh, stay tuned because after the break, we will bring you our interview with Deborah Pratt. The QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the Quantum Leap Podcast. It goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. This is Dean Jarris, executive producer of Quantum Leap, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Hey, everyone. We're back. And as promised, here's our interview with Deborah Pratt. Hello, Leapers. It's Matt and Chris here, and uh, we're very happy today to have a special guest. It's friend to the podcast, uh, our very dear friend, Deborah Pratt. Welcome back to the show, Deborah. Thank you very much. Great to be back. And particularly special as well, because after so many years' involvement with Quantum Leap, this is the first time you're directing an episode. Amazing. Yes, it's true. It's true. It's true. true. I was head writer and uh, executive producing, and every time there was a fire, I had to. <laughs> it seemed like it was my turn to direct something, but I always made sure there was a black woman directing. Um, of those four episodes, we're we're the only women that directed. As a matter of fact, um, yeah, I remember once they came to me and said the script is completely not working. The studio and the network are rejecting it. We need a script by Monday. It was Friday. I had three days to write a script. I wrote um, Seabride. Oh, you wrote that in three days. Wow. <laughs> That's a personal favorite. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Mine too. Mine too. And, and funny with family style, I wanted to um, have a big Bollywood dance number. So when I uh, wrote Seabride, I said, I went to Scott and I said, can you tango? And he went, I can learn. I said, I know you can learn anything. <laughs> and so I called a dear friend of mine, uh, Bobby Duncan, who is no longer with us and said, I'm going to write a scene that has to be played out against a tango number. And he said, got it. And I thought he nailed it. Scott nailed it. Beverly nailed it. I mean, everybody just had a great time. And then um, the interesting thing was after we did it, I saw it in like four or five television episodes. I saw it in two movies. <laughs> Suddenly it became the thing to do. So it made me very proud that Quantum did it first. So when you say that you were slated to direct episodes of the series during the original run, uh, do you recall which episodes those were? Were they specifically ones that you had written or you had just come up in the rotation for that season? Or how did that work back then? Well, they definitely had... Uh, a rotation and at the beginning of the season they put you into slots and um i don't know that i could recall i i wanted to say it was one of the courtroom 
dramas. I don't, I don't think it was the third part of, maybe it was a part three of the trilogy or so help me God. It was one of those two. I remember. Um, anyway, it was just, it didn't happen. And I didn't think we were going to be taken off the air. <laughs> went, wait a minute, wait a minute. I haven't directed. <laughs> so, so season six finally comes along 25 years later and yeah. your executive producer, was this part of the, the, the goal, um, for you as this all kicked off that you would finally get oh, a chance in the director's said, chair this year i said if i if i'm coming back to do this show i'm directing more than one episode <laughs> so i'm directing one um in august uh in season two so hopefully it'll just keep going in that direction because it's such a fun show the cast is so great the scripts are wonderful um i i love the everybody producing cast crew writers you know I'm, i feel very blessed that that it, the show has been embraced and created in a way that it can grow and prove my point that quantum leap can be uh, a, a legacy show that goes on for 10 20 years and movies and games and toys and franchise stuff and i couldn't get people to see or hear that and i'm hoping that this time. This time. I've made leap home. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things we, we've been speaking about this weekend is um, how family style is such a, a, a small self-contained family story that it, it harkens back a lot to the original series. Was that, did that make that an appealing episode for you to direct or was it just that it just no, happened to be the one assigned? It happened to be, when I saw the story come in, I was very interested in it and said so. When I saw the script come in, I knew that it was, and that I could take all the magic from the original show and sprinkle it in the script. Because Adretha's script just, it was about humanity and people and food and all the things that make us um, human. It was a very humanizing story, and it it set up it set up things like prejudice and um, the the struggles of an immigrant family. It set up uh, the loss of a family member. It set up children growing up. I mean, it hit on so many central family um, core elements that. I, as soon as I read it, I said, I got this. And I tried to talk them into doing a Bollywood number at the end. That's my big dream. I want to direct a Bollywood movie with a big dance number. Um, but, but Adritha, her sensibility of the culture uh, was so enlightening to me. And, you know, I, I got to do all the foodie stuff that I had seen in the bear and, you know, once I knew that it was, once I got the script and saw the heart in it, I immediately saw the humor in it. And I told them, I said, this is going to feel like a comedy, but it'll be a roller coaster ride. So it'll go from comedy to drama and then back to comedy. And, and to me, that was truly the gift of Quantum Leap, that you could go through so many um, emotions in 
telling this story. And I was excited because um, Raymond had said to me, and I had seen it in, in just him having fun around the set, he had said that he had gone to clowning school, which is why he's so physical and his performances, I think, contributes to that. So he was he was right in it and right on it and had some beautiful, wonderful, you know, just humorous moments that I could capture to help tell the story. And I think it, you know, it got to expand his character and he got to have some fun. Yes, it was dramatic, you know, when um, Kathy and her goon pulled a gun on him. Um, but also when Kathy said to him, when he came up after uh, the the uh, restaurant was destroyed and said, you did this. And I loved her reading. I wouldn't. You know, <laughs> I would never. Um, but she said something that's so Karen um, about the moment as I saw it when she said, and if you reported it, they wouldn't believe you. They would believe me, wouldn't they? And it was so it was such a quantum leap moment in that sense where someone would have the opportunity to see in themselves, wow, that's that mentality of you think you're better than me just because I'm an immigrant or my skin is brown. And, and it opens a dialogue for a conversation, which we desperately need in this country. It's not, it's not you acting out. It's you watching someone else act out and it's how you relate to it. Which side of that coin do you stand on? And, how watching it makes you feel. I think that's quantum leap in general. Um, you watch a show that you love what makes you love it. I think the humanity, again, I go back to that in, um, Sonali's, um, journey. And Nandini did such a beautiful job in it when she had to come to the conclusion that she, her children were grown. She didn't have to be the mother because they were grown. And that whole last moment um, between she and Ben is so poignant for him because he got to do what he couldn't do in his own life. Childhood um, was just to say, I love you to his mother. And for her, which was to, Except the fact that it was okay to let your children to op- to love them with open arms. Your arms are open; they can always come back. But you're open now. I trust you as an adult, and I think those messages were important for me as a director to make sure they they sh- they shone brightly because that they're so relatable. They're so universal. It's it's funny you mentioned the fact that it was kind of like a roller coaster. It's going to seem like a comedy, and then we're going to go to the drama. When we spoke to Nandini yesterday, she had mentioned the fact that so, sometimes she felt like she was on like a dramatic set, and then all of a sudden it was like being on like a four camera comedy. And um, she said that you had helped guide her through that because it got very intense at points. And we also discussed the fact that for such 
such on paper, such a harsh character, like someone that is just stubborn and prideful and will not see anybody else's point of view. She never came across as unlikable. And um, she and you had had a discussion about that to try to thread that needle. Can you talk a little bit about that process? To Because a lot was riding on her performance in this episode. Uh, yeah, I know that was the big fear of everybody at the network and the studio. And I said, if we cast it correctly, you won't have anything to worry about. And so what I, I, I mean, there were several times that she and I sat down and talked. Um, I, but I said, in this opening scene, I need to see your strength. But at the same time, I need to, you to be a mommy. For you, these, this woman standing behind you is still 12 years old. And when, um, when Ben says, yes, chef, and she goes, yes, chef, and she punks his nose, and that was her idea, and it was just the perfect uh, gesture to say, how about yes, mummy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Those things made her endearing, and, and um, she's a wonderful actress. She took direction incredibly well. Um, there was a depth to her that I truly appreciated, and she was struggling with something she didn't even know she was struggling about. And the, the big emotion that plays into it is fear. You've lost your husband. You're about to lose your children. You, how do you keep the one business that he left you going and it's already falling off of a cliff? So she's questioning her very existence and at the same time trying to be as strong as her husband was. And, you know, the other thing I thought Adritha did so beautifully was she brought in the essence of the culture. And her understanding of, I knew music was incredibly important. Um, her understanding of the music, she was very helpful in selecting all of that. The wardrobe, I, I was shooting the scene in the restaurant when um, Mira and, um, I can't think of it, well, Gory is the, the uh, other cousin, came in with the, with, the, with the gifts and the flowers for the year of his uh, death. And um, I think Gory came in and her scarf looks strange to me. And I reached over to try to adjust it. And she said, every fold in this scarf has meaning. And I went, wow. And I stepped back and I said, <laughs> I, I, I don't know this culture. Please, please put it back the way it was. So it was. And Adritha, I think in writing that, it was very specific about what food she chose to put in the episode, um, how these women dressed, uh, how each of the family members dressed. So that there was, um, and I thought it was very important. I remember talking to, to, uh, to our costume director, uh, Genevieve. I said, I want this show to be about jewel tones. I want everybody to be in golds and rubies and sapphires and the colors that that bring in the 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 depth of what I think to be the culture. And I think that was a really good choice. She did a beautiful job in the richness of it that I don't think the series had has the opportunity to reflect. So not only you were telling a story about a family, but you were telling a story about a culture and the food that pulls them together. And which is why I'm asking everybody that watches the show to um, tweet your favorite food 
tweet your favorite, you know, family dinner story. And if you're an immigrant, tweet what's important about your family coming together around the table for food. Um, there's a scene at the end where I, I set everybody coming around a table because that was very important at the end where they talk about they owe $30,000 in debt. And then um, Mira says, oh, or Podami, Podamini, oh, I, I forgive me if I mess these names up, says, I, ha- I got a, a big bonus. I'm happy to chip in. And then somebody else says, I'm happy to chip in. I wanted that whole thing to happen around a table. Even though they're not sitting down and eating, they come together around this table. So there was a lot of symbolism that uh, it was important for me to weave in, in the storytelling. One of the things that um, I think, Matt, you might have mentioned it already in, in your opening statements was the fact that this one felt so much like the original Quantum um, in the sense that we got a lot of family backstory for Ben, too, which expanded on some of the stuff that we saw in What a Disaster, It's a Disaster, a Disaster. I don't know what we're calling it these days, but uh, I... I wanted to know if that um, specifically you were trying to evoke some of the feeling of the old show or was it just just happened to be in the script where where there are elements that you said, yes, this is so quintessentially quantum leap. Let's play this aspect up. And I asked that because when I watched this episode both times, I felt more connected to Ben um, as the leaper, as the lead than I have in um, many of the previous episodes. And I think it's due to that that old quantum leap feeling. And it also, you know, it, it brought me to tears both times I watched it. Okay. So um, it, it really did have a lot of the DNA of, of the old show while bringing some of the strongest elements of the new show to the fore. I just, I, I wanted to know what, you know, what kind of balancing act you did, did there, or was it even conscious? No, it was very conscious. Um, when I read the beats for the story, I thought, hmm, this has the potential of being a true, in my mind, a true OG quantum leap. When I got the script, I read it and I went, and then I knew I was directing it. I said, I know all the magic places. (laughs) I know all the magic places because it's my, this is my other child um, of how to make this a genuine old school quantum leap. And so I really went through um, when I was setting my shots and, I said, I want it to be fun. It want, I think I told you before, I have four H's that I feel make a quantum leap, which is um, history, heart, humor. I always forget the fourth one. History, heart, humor, and... Hope? Hope. The most important one. And this one had it all. History, heart, humor, and hope. I'll get it right someday. Any <laughs> more coffee. What are you talking about? And... Um, it had it all. And I thought, this is my opportunity to marry these shows. And um, Adritha was a dream. She taught me so much about the Indian culture and, and the love of the, love of the food. You cannot watch the show without wanting to go order Indian food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was fun in the sense that, you know, um, I, and I said to to Raymond, you love this. You have to play that you love the idea that you've leapt into a chef and that it made you fall in love with this family. 
So through the food, through your dream of being a chef, and and Addison was incredibly supportive in that line where she said, better than sports, you like food. (laughs) (laughs) So again, it was very well written, very well, you know, elements were very woven in. And then I was able to bend the performances so that you fell in love with these people. And even when they had the argument and um, Manisha walked out, on the family, you saw the the stakes being raised of these, this family's fallen apart. They've lost the father, the sisters being, you know, ignored and disrespected by the mother. The mother is trying to be respected by her daughter, which were such universal um, family issues. You know, how do you, how do you become a woman under the umbrella of a strong woman? Is a, is a huge question that most girls have to ask themselves. And the first time that you stand up to your mom and says, no, mom, I'm grown, is a shock to both of you. So the, the, the reality of the story and the humanity of the story and the universality of the story, um, words on the page, and I, I saw them through my lens, um, which is, I think, why the why I was able to get the performances because uh, I knew what to ask for, and the actors were so wonderful about getting it. They got it, and um, and Bill to you know what was setting up of what was set up in in the very beginning of Sam's loss. Sam, I'll never stop doing that. Of Ben's loss of his mother and the fact that he never got to say goodbye and to give him that was a huge opportunity and I knew how um, important it was for the, for the show, for the character um, to endear the audience, to make them understand. And to the people that haven't, that, you know, no one is, or so rarely is, are you there when someone you love that much as your mother leaves the world? And that last, I love you to get to say that um, is important. And that's, again, that's some of the magic of Quantum Leap. Uh, You know, I think I told you a story about a young man who related to me watching the show with his parents and they were getting a divorce and his world was falling apart. And he said, I wish Sam would leap into my life and fix my life. And I thought that's why the show is incredibly successful, because it gives you the hope of somebody coming in to fix it. And then the reality that it's up to you to at least fix it for yourself, if not actually fix the situation um, that it is based on. The end of this one reminded me so much of uh, the end of promised land when Sam gets that, that final hug with his dad, which he never even got in, in the leap home. He just said, goodbye, dad made the shot and he left. So, um, giving Sam that closure, I, I honestly, I felt like I was watching Scott. I'm going to stop gushing now. Uh, it's not to denigrate Raymond, but I felt like Scott was back on the set. That's how much I love this episode. And 
we're talking about sort of um, the blending of the old series and the new series and you knowing the sweet spots and finding that DNA. It's funny to me, we haven't been able to speak to you since the series premiered. The last time we spoke to you, you had permission to speak to us, but you really couldn't say anything about the new show or the process. So I want to go back and have that interview, too, if we can <laughs> just spend a couple of minutes talking about, you know, this whirlwind. I mean, it's from last September to now. It's crazy to me that we're almost done with the first season of the new Quantum Leap. And we're just now getting to talk to you about the whole process. Um, can, can we can we go back to just to the beginning and just talk about, you know, what you've been doing, what you've been feeling? What's it like to, to bring this baby back to the world? Um, well, I'm I'm grateful to be um, a voice and um to to add my to, it's a it's a tough situation because i want it to evolve in the direction that it's going to evolve so i don't want to to say go this way go this way go this way so a lot of what which i have done but a lot <laughs> of what um, I, I call myself keeper of the lore so I can talk to them about, you know, how Ziggy is used, how um, when Addison should just hit a button and pop out rather than walk away, how, you know, and they've bent the, the realities that, that we originally created of having her be in a scene and sitting on something. Um, but we just play the fact that there are chairs in the, you know, in the imaging oh. chamber. <laughs> and the suspension of disbelief has worked uh, in that sense. Um, the fact that uh, that that um, Ryan and Stephen, when they conceived of the the present, um, conceived it wrapped in a love story, I thought was was very special and unique. And um, and also the fact that. Unlike the original Quantum Leap, because we couldn't afford a fancy headquarters, you, the audience, was trapped in the past with Sam, and the only connection to the future was Al. So Al's sentimentality about history was through his lens. He had experienced civil rights because he marched in the civil rights. Uh, he marched um, for civil rights. May, probably walk, walked in Black Lives Matter, you know, so he has seen those things and brings a personal history to them. I like the fact that they're playing that the personal's history of all the members of the Quantum Leap team come in in sentimentality last. A two-week-ago episode, Let Them Play, was beautifully done, I thought, when Ian told their story um, that reflected into the character. And um, so it's, it's finding a balance of allowing for the creation that I think Martin and Dean and the writers have so carefully crafted, uh, uh, taking us into the next evolution, the next generation of, of this series so you can say okay it is quantum leap 
but it's a different direction. So if you were, if I could describe it the best way is in parallel worlds, there's room for multiple versions of it, just like Star Trek. You know, you may have loved the original Star Trek, but Next Generation was just not your flavor. And Enterprise might have been closer to what you thought it should be, because at at its core, it was a it was um, a, a series of of uh, anthological moralistic stories, um, very biblical in this in that sense. And and I think think that what made each show successful was there was enough of that in every one of them, and there's enough you know, cool science fiction to, to take care of the nerds like me that I'm, you know, I can switch into. So I think what they've done by introducing this fabulous headquarters and the technology that Ziggy has become, um, is really cool and really fun. And the only thing that that does in keeping us in the present is, is created two shows that now have to blend together. So I was very lucky in in this one because I had a little more latitude in those 42 minutes that you get in in television to really get into the heart of the family show. And and then the the story of that that's going to take us through and hang on to your seats to the season finale um will be was so amazing because again, it was a very personal story for, for Ian and, and magic. Oh my God, Ernie Hudson. I love him so much. I told you when, when that we were talking casting and I knew that er, Ernie, that magic was coming back. I just went, Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson. That's it. That's the only person that can play it. And, um, I believe that he nailed it. He nails it every week. He is the father of Quantum Leap that, you know, I guess in Dean's own way represented too. But, um, and then we got to see a side of Ian in the relationship with Rachel. They tell their story and question themselves as to their capability of making the decision that was made, not knowing why. And it really, I think it really triggers the the rest of this journey um, for this season, which hang on to your seats. It's going to be a bumpy flight. <laughs> That's all I can <laughs> Just st- sticking with the, the Ian plot for a moment. Um, we noticed uh, Mason brought in their, or Mason had their real life partner to work with. Was Alice, that, yeah, yeah w- was that their suggestion? Was that? Did that just come about naturally through casting? And what kind of impact did that have on how the scenes played out? Well, there was an instant chemistry, for sure. And um, we had met <clears throat> we had met Alice um, up in Vancouver and liked her, and I'd seen her a bunch of other times. So when the idea came up that she was available to do it, it was a no-brainer, for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. So, yeah, that wasn't a big thing. It, it's instant chemistry between them because they love each other and they care about each other. So they could play that moment really brilliantly. Um, 
and it it also gave potential for future storylines. I hope I haven't seen it yet, but I hope. <laughs> well, when when you mentioned future storylines and the potential that was sort of embedded in the dynamic that you set up in this episode, especially with Ian seeing their ex partner, we finally got out of the project a little bit and saw these characters more as individuals instead of workers, and. I am wondering if the show is going to maybe lean a little bit more into that um, as as the um, the breakneck pace of the mystery box starts to wrap itself up. Um, do you think that we'll have a chance? Because one thing that is very marked about this episode is that it just had a, a, a chance to breathe. There were just some nice intimate scenes that weren't all about chasing the next clue. And um, it, I think the show benefited from it. Will we be seeing more of this type of storytelling where applicable as the show goes on? If you can even answer that. I'll let you know as to how well we do on Monday night. (laughs) 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 Because that's what determines a lot of that. You know, it really is. Television is interactive in its own special way. Um, You know, you have a vision, you have an idea. Um, you have the voice of the characters. I think, again, Martin Dean, the writers, all really understand the direction they want to go. But it can bend based on the love that the audience gives the show. So, you know, it's really up to the response uh, of the audience, I believe. But I, I, I trust all these people. You know, I joke saying the Quantum Leap was my middle child. Um, but I, I see so much potential from what is happening with the show. And I think you nailed it, Christopher, in the sense that, um, there was a breath and Mm -hmm. there should be that kind of breath and maybe not every episode, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see how people respond to it and. And if the love of it is there, why not? Mm-hmm. But you have to remember that the that the the surrounding ingredient is the audience. You know, we're not just saying here, watch this. We're saying, how does it make you feel? This is a show about how does it make you feel? And um, as long as we respect that, which we did deeply in the the original series. Quantum Leap can live on. That's what I'm talking about. Hmm. So um, now that um, you've directed your first episode, you have another one coming up in the second second season. Um, when, when are we going to get uh, a Deborah Pratt script? Are you writing any episodes? Are, are you part of the writer's room or is that a possibility going forward? Well, I'm not part of the writer's room other than I give my notes. So in that sense, yes, I am. Um, Again, it's very important to me that this lives and breathes on its own. Um, I'm writing a motion picture for Quantum Leap. We'll see if it goes. Um, But I believe that the franchise is expandable in that way. If freaking Star Trek can have nine spinoffs and <laughs> nine movies that so can we, I keep saying this, um, never say never. Anything is possible. Okay. 
I'm really pulling for the um, Teresa Bruckner return and Troyan's return to the show. So where's <laughs> Teresa at these days? She fit right funny, into the wheelhouse. <laughs> a funny story. So after Troyan did Teresa, her father wrote her um, a reoccurring character in a series called Tequila and Bonetti mm-hmm. about a guy and a talking dog. And um, she gets on the set as Mariska Hagerty's daughter. And they start calling her by a different name. And she stopped the director and she says, no, my name is only Teresa. <laughs> All of six. And we get a call from the set saying, uh, I'm getting notes from a six-year-old. Saying that she, will not allow, <laughs> she will not allow herself to be called anything but Teresa. <laughs> and when Beautiful. I stopped laughing, when I stopped laughing, I said, you're going to have to take her note. I'm sorry. <laughs> did she become Teresa in that it's been a while since i've seen i have seen tequila and bonetti but (laughs) she did brilliant i never noticed that connection and then don wrote her a big episode where she was kidnapped and this that and whatever happened and he brings uh the, the episode to her and she looks at it and she says, well, where are the words that I have to say? And so he shows her and there's like pages and pages of dialogue. And she goes, no, nah, I don't want to do that. That's too many lines. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, comes in my office and he goes, talk to your daughter. And I went, what do you mean talk to my daughter? She won't do this. And and this flashes back to, I think, the story I told you when we shot um, another mother. She was on the set waiting to do a scene with Dean Stockwell and Dean Stockwell walked onto the set and I had had the kids, you know, Troy and I actually was the only one that was born at the time down to the set. So he knew her, but suddenly he sees her sitting on his set and he looks at her and I'm over there, you know, just thinking how cool this is that, you know, my daughter is doing an episode of my show that I wrote and he comes over to me and he goes, why is she here? And I went, what? Oh, she's going to play the little girl. And he goes, do you need the money? Hmm. And I went, what? He said, do you need the money? Because if you don't need the money, do not take away that child, uh, that, that her, her childhood. And I looked and I saw a child star who had supported his family for his entire life, giving me a piece of advice that was gold. And so after that show aired, I got all kinds of calls from people saying they wanted her in this and that and the other. And I went, no, I don't need the money. And she needs a life. And she, she was friends with the Olsen twins at that time. And I had experienced going out with them and what it was like to be surrounded by people. And I thought if she loves this business, she'll find her way back to it. And she did and pretty little liars for sure. So when I said, when Don said, talk to your daughter, I went, well, you talk to her. But based on what Dean said, I'm not going to push this. So he had to rewrite the episode. And I'm trying to think of the actress. She went on. She's still a very successful working actress that he wrote the episode about. He just changed that it was not about her daughter, but about this other young girl. What was her name? She had an unusual name, like Thorin or... Thora Birch? Thora Birch. It was Thora Birch. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Anyway, so those are the things that I think make this an an interesting family drama. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, Deborah, it's been a fantastic half hour or so talking to you, uh, as always. Could you maybe just um, finish by giving us a, a couple of your your key hopes for the future of, of Quantum Leap and the franchise? Um, a motion picture or a series of motion pictures, uh, a ride at Universal Studios, a video game. I mean, I, I feel like there's an animation series that could spin out of it. I think that there is, you know, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Raymond Lee can sing. I hope we do some episodes where he performs because he has a gorgeous voice and soulful as get out, all get out. Um, Soundtrack CD. Soundtrack CD, exactly. And Ian, um, they also have an amazing voice. So between the two of them, I think, you know, it could be a really fun scenario to to tell a story. We, I mean, Scott certainly was anything you asked of him. He just kind of said, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Except for the <laughs> except for the episode where he was a catcher in the circus. Yeah, yeah. Felt so bad for him. He had to swing upside down for hours, <laughs> and I just felt so bad for him. But um, yeah, I mean, Quantum Leap can be anything and can do anything. And the more talented the actors are, the more exciting the possibilities of storylines are. Um, in family uh, style, we got to talk about being an immigrant. Um, again, that moment where uh, Kathy has blown up the place and she's talking to the she's talking to the the um, firemen and says, "Well, you know, you give immigrants from another country a shot and look what mm-hmm. they do and whatnot." And then when Ben comes up to her and says, "You blew up this restaurant, you burned this restaurant," and she said, "I wouldn't, I never would." And she said, "And if you tried to tell anybody." Who would they believe? It was such a powerful state, Karen statement of I'm better than you. I'm white. You're brown. Get used to it. And and to me, on a whole other level, it opens a thought process and possibly a conversation with people who never talk. We live in a country where people forget how to talk to each other. They just go, you don't like it. I, I like it. We don't have anything in common. But the truth is, there's so much that you have in common. And if it, if it did what it, the original series did, was, which was to open a dialogue, then the power of television, the power of good writing um, becomes even more important. And that's what I saw when we first created Quantum Leap. And the opportunity to do it again is here. The right people to do it again is right here. And the audience obviously are coming to the table. So tweet me your favorite food. Tweet me your favorite family story. Um, if you're an immigrant, tweet me something or come to the visionquest.com um, and, and send me a letter uh, under contact. I try very hard to answer them. And then also, um, yeah. Let me know how you feel about the show. How did this show make you feel? Um, I'm telling everybody I have a new book coming out um, called uh, Mirrors. The Dragon Mirror is the first in the series. And uh, if you go to mirrorsthenovel.com, you know, 
is just going up. So it's, it's a really fresh series, but come and check it out. I'm creating new stuff all the time. So I'm writing, I'm just, I'm growing. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. We will look forward to checking that out. Um, Deborah, thank you again for your time. And on behalf of the Leapers everywhere, thank you so much for being such an integral part of the show and its relaunch and for, for sticking close to it to continue to be its guiding light. We got season two. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Matt, for the incredible work that you have done on your books. I can't wait to see the new one. Um, I'm very excited about it. Like I said, it has saved me <laughs> in many an interview. <laughs> you flatter me so much. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see uh, to get the new one. And um, and thank you for the time and the effort and the energy and capturing um, the behind the scenes and the, and this, the quirkiness of the show and the beauty of the show and the love of the show. And someday I'm going to get them to do a kiss with history. That's what I got to do before. <laughs> Just one kiss Absolutely. with history. And they're tough. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Deborah. I think I speak for us all when I say it's just so great to have Deborah back on the show. We all love Deborah. <laughs> it's always a delight. She's always a delight. And now she's Matt's best friend. So, <laughs> so thank you, uh, Deborah, for uh, once again being so gracious with your time and bringing the fans what they want. More Deborah. That's what we want anyway. So, um, hey guys, it's time for some feedback. So, I feel like. I was a little self-indulgent last week because we had the unexpected hiatus, right? And I thought, okay, what are we going to put on? I want to put something on the feed. And then I thought of that interview that I had done with Albie for the Patreon show, Oh Boy. And I was like, should I? Should I? I said, you know what? Damn it. Yeah, I want to do it because it's one of my favorite things that I've done for this show. And I don't know if you out there listening to this episode now bothered to listen to it because, you know, it wasn't about the main show. It was more about sort of the history of the podcast. But I'm glad it spoke to somebody besides me because we got a message on Facebook from an old listener of mine, believe it or not. Allison, you're not the only one with fan base. And Matt, okay, you know Deborah <laughs> Pratt and all and beyond the mirror image, but – um, a gentleman named Tom Walton, who used to be an avid listener of one of my old podcasts, heard that and it inspired him to write in. So I'll begin. Tom writes, I just finished listening to, oh boy, it's Albert Burge. This was a great episode, far better than I imagined it was going to be. You hear that? It's far better than you imagine it's going to be. So go back and listen to it on your feed. Ooh. Hearing Albie relive the times of other podcasts I have listened to was fantastic. Great job to both of you. I haven't watched the original QL since it originally aired. I'm afraid that it will become one of those things that I ask myself, why did I ever like this show? I have such fond <laughs> memories that I don't want to ruin it. So I'm torn for now on whether to watch it again or not. I reached out to Chris a couple of years ago to see if he was doing any new podcasts and he mentioned QLP. I gave it a shot for a while, but it was hard to get into a podcast about a TV show I wasn't watching. <laughs> I decided to give it a pass, but when the news came out that QLP would be covering the new Quantum Leap, I decided to jump in with the new episodes and have been enjoying the podcast as much as the show ever since. The thing that jumped out to me on this episode of Oh Boy was when the discussion turned to the 112263 podcast. 
This is where I found Chris as a podcaster, and along with Skip, they quickly became my favourite podcast hosts. So when you started talking about that show, I got sucked back into all the feels of the first and only podcast I've ever truly interacted with. Maybe one day a hashtag skip to for 112263 reunion show? Uh, for now, I am enjoying the QLP and hope it is around for a long time to come. Thanks for everything you do, Tom Walton. P.S. I could really use some QLP radio sightings and some old school to flip side shows. So let's address some of these things uh, one by one. A reunion show of 1123 seems uh, highly unlikely at this point, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mainly because it was a limited series and there's really nothing else for us to talk about. I mean, we, I think, covered everything you could possibly cover about the Kennedy assassination and time travel about the Kennedy assassination that there is. So I, I don't think that uh, we're going to be doing a reunion anytime soon. As far as Skip and I being together on mic again, I mean, I'd never say never, but I mean, there's no reason that we don't have a project that we're working on or that we're interested in working on together. So um, maybe hashtag maybe skip differ. I don't know. Uh, as far as QLP radio settings, I mean, I got rid of those because they were of interest to nobody but me and Albie. So I didn't want to torture anybody with that. I know I do it every once in a while now when we go back to the revisiting stuff. I'll talk about them. But uh, yeah, Tom, sorry that the days of the radio sightings have passed. And as for the flip side, uh, what Tom is referencing there, I used to do a radio segment um, here for a local station on Long Island. Uh, science fiction show aired every Friday night. And I would do a once a month segment just about science fiction or science or whatever. And I had a website with all the flip sides archived on there. But I had created that website so long ago that my, my server host called me and he said, Chris, are you aware that like 4,000 emails a day are going out through your website? And I was mm -hmm. like, no. And he's like, I think I, I, I said, take it down. You just have to take it down because there was just no fixing it. I needed to completely revamp the site and I just didn't have the time or the inclination to be quite frank with you because I'm not doing the flip side segments anymore because I don't have the time or the inclination. So all of those things I'm afraid, Tom, are lost to history. Uh, if you want to contact me directly via messenger, I'll see if I can get you episodes if you really want them. But um, I think those chapters of my broadcasting career are behind me. And I couldn't be happier because I'm so happy talking about Quantum Leap with Matt and Allison anyway. I feel like this was the show I was always meant to do. I loved 112263. I loved doing Castle Rock. I loved doing Castle Rock so much. And I wasn't even a Stephen King fan per se. I just <laughs> did it because I liked being on mic with Skip. But this show is coming home to me. So I hope that you continue to listen to us. I hope that you do give the old series a new chance because it will stand up. It does stand up. It's as magical and wonderful as ever. And uh, you do yourself a disservice by not revisiting it. And then you can listen to our podcast and listen to some of the great shows that we did about the original series as well and some of Albie's shows. So um, thank you so much, Tom, for reaching out. I really did uh, enjoy hearing from you again. And I'm glad that you enjoyed the old boy. I hope that you guys out there listening enjoyed the oh boy as well again if you haven't listened to it like i said it's one of my faves and uh albie is you know it's albie it's just me hanging with albie really and uh i love albie so i think it comes through yeah, in the recording yeah so uh thank you chris, all what chris you what? you haven't we, we you haven't talked about possibly the most important part of this message what? Um, and frankly i'm a little hurt you you did a, a bit of work with with Skip, and suddenly you've got a portmanteau with him. Was this hashtag Skip to fur? <laughs> how how long have we been working together, and there is no hashtag Malistifer? Surely, <laughs> surely. 
at this point, we deserve something, but no, it's all hashtag Skiptifer. I, I can say this. Um, we had some amazing fans on 11-22-63 that followed us over to Castle Rock. I mean, we had some of the wackiest and some of the most dedicated fans in our fan community to the point where we were doing Patreon feedback shows every week because we had so many vocal fans. And the Skiptifer thing, um, somebody... I think it was Carrie. It was our fan, Carrie, uh, Carrie Lotion. She came up with the hashtag skip defer, I, I guess, because they were shipping us. I don't know. Like, people really loved us on mic together. I don't know why. <laughs> and I, it's not like I'm not sitting here trying to, to brag or anything. But so she came up with this hashtag. And then when we wrapped up 112263, we went to Dealey Plaza. We did it live from Dealey Plaza, where the Kennedy assassination took place. And Skip and I were walking around the area talking about the different things that were in the book, talking about the history, talking about the book depository. And we saw one of the Secret Service agents who was on the back of Kennedy's limo. As a matter of fact, Sam leaps into him at the end of Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm -hmm. um, his name is Clint Hill, I believe. Clint Hill? Yeah. yeah. We saw him at a book reading. <sighs> he was actually reading at the depository on the floor wow. below, below the sixth floor. He was on the fifth floor of the depository. And as part of the tickets for that show, you got a free book. So we got that book and we had him sign it and we had him sign it <laughs> to the fans of um, 11-22-63 podcast. And then we had to have a contest to see, okay, how do we – we want to give it away to, to one of these great fans. So the idea we came up with was that um, – we wanted them to show their Skiptifer because that had become our portmanteau at that point, <laughs> the hashtag Skiptifer. So we said, just bring anything with Skiptifer out in the world, you know, like a T-shirt or a banner or, you know, spray painted on a wall somewhere and show us and then we'll pick some some random winner at the end. So that's how that whole Skiptifer thing came about and blew up. And Albie mentions it <laughs> in the interview. He says, the biggest mistake I ever made was getting hashtag Skiptifer tattooed on my arm. <laughs> and nothing ever came of it so so yeah well that brings back a lot of memories to be fair ha hashtag melistifer does sound kind of dumb so uh maybe we could encourage our listeners to come up with a, a new portmanteau <laughs> for us which leads nicely into the links for the feedback Yes, if you would like to come up with a new portmanteau for Allison, Matt, Chris, I don't know what that name would be. <laughs> there are many ways that you can contact us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can drop us a line or send us a skip the for t-shirt at P.O. Box 542, <laughs> Bayport, New York, 11705. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantum leap podcast you can also find us on twitter and instagram at quantum leap pod and our youtube channel is going strong you can get that at youtube.com slash the quantum leap podcast and you can always go that extra mile and support us on patreon at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast just remember we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the quantum leap podcast much like I use Tom. So, hey, if any other 112263 fans or Castle Rock fans are out there listening, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you guys, see what you're all doing. I've heard from a few of you over the last year or so, but uh, catch up. Let's catch up. So much fun. Come over. Come see this show. This show is, this show is better. 
I'm telling you now, the show's better. <laughs> so, also uh, check out that YouTube channel. The Quantum Leap After Show will be live after this show, and you can go over there and see it. Uh, Albie will be hosting, and you will be able to see a video version of our interview with Deborah, along with the interviews that we did with Nandini and Mira, and the other joint interview that we did with Anisha and Laura. And we had a we had a blast. They're a hoot. So I, yeah. I encourage you to check them out. So thank you all to Deborah, to Nandini, to Anisha, to Laura, to Mira for being on the show. It was great talking to all of you and we appreciate it. So um, now that uh, we are done with that, there's something else coming up. Matt, tell us what is coming next. Well, we're back next week to talk about SOS. We've got a synopsis here, which is when Ben leaps onto a naval battleship during war games in 1989, he must not only navigate a dangerous rescue mission, but also contend with his commanding officer, XO Alexander Augustine, otherwise known as Addison's father. So we're getting uh, some more family connections here. Mm -hmm. Going forward, we've heard Addison mention that she had a kind of a bad relationship with her parents. So I wonder if it's going to be like a Colonel Bojahowicz thing. Yeah. I mean, that synopsis is giving me Back to the Future and War Games vibes. So uh, two of my favorite films of the 80s. I'm very happy with that. And uh, Addison's father is being played by none other than Brandon Routh, Superman himself. And I guess Ray Palmer, if you're a fan of Legends of Tomorrow. So it'll be nice to see uh, Brandon see what he brings to the role. I'm excited to see it anyway. Yeah. So until that time, I have been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Allison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you when you sink my battleship. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris. With voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a barren space production.